Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of 1 John. 1 John, we will be there in just a moment. I wanted to add my welcome to you all. Thank you all for being here. Appreciate each and every one, especially our visitors. We welcome you. Thank you for being a part of our worship service this morning. We seek to serve and to worship God as, as has been prescribed in the New Testament. No more and no less. So that's what we come here on the first day to, of the week to do. The things that we have engaged in, the singing and the praying. Gathering around the table to remember our Lord's death. Taking up the collection and now to hear a message from God's word. We can find examples of this in the New Testament, and that's what we hold to here at Cortez Church of Christ. We appreciate you all being here, and thank you again for being a part of our worship this morning. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul tells the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. If Paul is giving instructions to those in Thessalonica, and he tells them, to never stop praying, then prayer must be pretty important. In fact, being told to pray is throughout the New Testament. We see our Lord teaching his disciples how to pray. We see the apostles as they're going forth and, and establishing the church and, we, and giving instructions. We see them giving instructions on how to pray. In Philippians 4 and verse 6, Paul has more instructions about prayer. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. There's lots of instructions about prayer in the New Testament. So if it's so common, if there's so much in it, doesn't it make sense that it's important to God? The words of God are so preciously few. If you think about, if you think about how relatively small this book is. The Word of God is very precious. So why does he spend so much time in talking about prayer? The word prayer, or any kind of derivation of the word there, is used some 350 times in the Bible. Over 140 of those times are in the New Testament. You get the idea here, don't you? Prayer is important. It is the way in which we communicate with our God, our Creator. And it's critical to know, it is so critical to know, that He hears the prayers of His children. If there's one thing you remember from this lesson this morning, I hope you'll remember that. That the Lord God, our Creator, hears the prayers of His children. But in order for our prayers to be heard, there are certain things that we must do. The first of those is to understand that we must ask, we must pray according to the will of God. If you're there in 1 John, look with me at chapter 5. Let's read verses 14 and 15. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. It says, and this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which, have asked, which we have asked from him. 
If we ask according to his will, it's important to understand that God has determined what his will is. He has not left it up for us to imagine or decide or or conjecture about what his will is. He has told us what his will is. We have passages such as Timothy 2 and verse 12 instructing us to uh, deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, there's a lot to that verse in depth, but that's simply putting it out there that what we need to do is live righteously and godly in the present age. One of my favorite passages of the Bible, one of my favorite verses of the Bible is Micah 6 and verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? To boil it down to very simple terms, those are very simple terms. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Live godly in the present age, denying ungodliness, righteously living. We only stand a chance of God hearing our prayers if we are living in this way. In 1 Peter 3 and verse 12, Peter there quoting from Psalm 34, he says, For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer, but his face is against those who do evil. Look over in James chapter 3 for just a moment. It's important to understand that if we are going to petition our God in prayer, then we need to do it in a way that he has prescribed. In James chapter 4 and verse 3, it says, you, do, you ask and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasure. So when we go, I think some translations there say you ask amiss. You're missing the point. If you're asking for your own desires and your own pleasures, Things from God, that's not in accordance with his will. Look what he says over in verse 15. He says, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or that. In the context there, he's talking about, we'll go up here and make a profit and do this and that. The attitude is, if the Lord wills. So that needs to be our attitude in prayer as well. We need to align our will our asking of him, our petitions of him, with his will. And if we're not doing that, then we're amiss. We're doing it with the wrong motives. Back over in 1 John 5. Let's read verse 14 again. It says, And this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Notice that John says, If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What does that mean? It means if we ask him anything that's, that's uh, in line with his will, then he hears us. If it's in step with his desires for his children, he hears those prayers. And notice verse 15. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which he, we have asked from him. He hears us and grants our requests. But there's something here that needs to be understood. 
In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, it says, And we know God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. All, God causes all things to work together for good. God is not going to do anything that's going to cause harm to us. If we are a child of God, if we are walking in step with him, he's not going to do anything to cause us harm. We know in James over there, he talks about how he does not, that God does not tempt anyone. God causes all things to work together for what? For good. If we ask something of God and it is not good for us, guess what? He's not going to grant that prayer. He's going to grant to us the things that are good for us. So understanding that, first of all, we have to understand that we have to ask according to his will, but also he has the final say. He's looking out for us, just like a father would for a child. If Trey or Emily asked something of Chuck that would bring them harm, Chuck's not going to fulfill that for them, is he? We read there from Matthew 7 about what Jesus says about the son who asks his father for a loaf of bread. Father doesn't give him a stone. God still has the final say in whatever he grants, just as a father does to a child. Understand this also. When we petition our God, we must make sure that we are keeping his commandments. Look over in 1 John, back up page or two there in 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. It says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. Why? Because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. If we want our prayers to be heard, we must make sure that we are keeping his commandments. He has told us what his will is. So we, we understand through what we just talked about previously about understanding what the will of God is. He's given it to us. He's told us what it is. So it's now our responsibility to keep his commandments, to walk that path that he has set before us. He expects his children to obey. Again, just like an earthly father would with his child. He expects obedience. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? And he expects total obedience. Look back again in James chapter 2. The God that we serve expects us to be totally obedient to him if we truly want to be a child of his. In James chapter 2, beginning in verse 10, it says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. For he who has said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. The same God who said, you shall not commit adultery, is the same God who says, you shall not commit murder. If we transgress one part of the law, and understand this is, James is using here examples from the old law, but... Adultery and murder are still not permitted. 
If we transgress any part of the law of Christ, we're guilty. God expects total obedience. If we're not keeping the whole law of Christ, we're not keeping any of it. If we want our prayers to be heard and answered, we must be obedient to our Father in heaven. I think about this uh, little example here, and I'm no expert, but in child custody hearings, when, when a parent has lost custody of their child, the judge will say, here is your plan. Here is what you must do in order to gain back your, the custody of your child. And the person will appear before the judge, and the judge may ask them, have you done this, this, and this? And if the answer is no to any of those questions, guess what the judge does? He doesn't hear. He doesn't listen. If you have not done what I have told you to do, I'm not going to hear any more from you. It's your responsibility if you want to gain this child back to do this, this, and this. Our Heavenly Father expects that of us. He expects us to keep His law. Do the things that are pleasing in His sight. The second part there of verse 22, back in 1 John 3. Do the things that are pleasing in His sight. What things are pleasing in the sight of God? Well, guess what? He's told us. <laughs> Again, here it is. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3 says that his divine power has granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness. So if we want to know what things are pleasing to God, we can find it in his word. That's where we can find it. If we want to know how to please God, read the Bible, and it will tell you. You need to have an intimate relationship with the word of God. It needs to richly dwell within you. You need to fall in love with those stories of the Old Testament. To, to appreciate the, the suffering and the difficult job that the prophets had in trying to turn back the children of Israel. But they were stiff-necked and hard of hearing. and They wouldn't listen. Think of the terrible time that the prophets had. Get every detail that you can out of the life of Christ. We have four writers that tell us about the life of Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Soak that in. Think about how precious that is. That this is the recordings of our Lord walking this earth. Read and understand how the church was established and the difficult times that they went through and how Paul and others would have to correct them as they sought to serve God. This is the way that you can ensure that you're keeping his commandments and doing the things that are pleasing in his sight by engrossing yourself in the word of God. Knowing what the will of God is, following the will of God. The third thing we must do in order for our prayers to be heard by God is to abide in the word. Look over in John chapter 15, the gospel of John. <clears throat> John chapter 15, verse 7. It says, if you abide in me 
and, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? Having the right relationship with the word of God means now we must continue in it. Abide means to accept or act in accordance with. Act in accordance with. This is an ongoing thing. So we know the will of God. We've got to abide in it. We've got to keep going in it. In this passage, Jesus speaks much about abiding. He speaks of this relationship of the vine and the branches. How the branch can only bear fruit if it abides in the vine. Again, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. In this abiding and bearing fruit, there's a glory that's being brought to God. Look in verse 8. It says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. In doing all of this, in abiding in God, petitioning him for these things, and him granting those things, that brings glory to him. God is glorified through his children living healthy and productive lives. You ever thought about it in those terms? People can see his blessings in those who are trying to live godly lives, in those who are living godly lives. You know, part of our uh, theme this year is confidently approaching the throne of grace. And this lesson fits into that. We need to have confidence in what we're doing. We need to be confidently living a godly life so that our prayers can be answered, so that we can confidently petition our God for the things of this world. People can see his blessings in our lives. And people can see what a disciple of Christ looks like. If we're following after him, we're a disciple of Christ, living a godly life. People can see that. And that makes an impression on people. Why do we pray? Why is it that we do pray? We pray so that we may speak to our Creator. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that an amazing opportunity that we have to speak directly to our Creator? And we can ask of the Lord the things that we need in this life. We also pray that we may, uh, so that we have that line of communication. God has spoken to us through his word. He has nothing else to say. He's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. He has nothing else to tell us. So we need to speak to him and have that line of communication. We need to ask for further insight into his word, ask for further, deeper understanding for what he has said. And let our hearts and our minds be open to it. That's another reason that we pray. James 1, verse 21, it says, Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. This word is able to save our soul. Isn't that a powerful thing to think about? So we need to pray to God to help us and understand it fully 
and better each and every day. From this lesson, we understand that God is not going to hear our prayers if we're not in step with him. If we're not living the godly life that we are instructed to be living, God's not going to hear our prayers. We must know what his will is for us. And then abide in that will through his word. We learn not to pray for selfish things or for selfish reasons. We read there in James chapter 3, or uh, excuse me, chapter 4 and verse 3, that we're not to pray for selfish things. We're to pray for those things that are in accordance with God's will. And our attitude should be displayed by what's said in verse 15, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. God has to come first in these things. God still answers prayers today. If not, why are we told so often to pray? Why is there so much written in the New Testament about praying? Why did Jesus teach his disciples how to pray? Why does the Apostle Paul tell the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing? He tells the Philippians that by everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. What are we doing if we're not expecting God to hear and answer our prayers? What is the point of all this that we're doing? The point is to open the lines of communication so that we can better understand what his will is for us by continually asking him for better understanding. This is one of the reasons we pray to God. Look over in James chapter 1. <clears throat> we'll close here with a few thoughts. James chapter 1, beginning of verse 5. It says, If anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let each of him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If you want to understand what the will of God is, pray to him and ask him. But pray in confidence, knowing that he's going to give it to you knowing that he will grant it to you. Now, if I pray to God to open my mind to the scriptures and this book is sitting on my shelf at home, do you think I'm going to gain any knowledge that way? The Hebrew writer talks of this as being living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. But brethren... Visitors, I'll tell you, it's not going to do anything sitting on your shelf. It's not going to do anything sitting on this pew when you leave here. Living and active means we have to be living and active in it. Understanding the will of God. Understanding what the word of God says. We read there from Matthew 7, and verse 7, 
Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. The message this morning is that if you want your prayers to be heard by God, then be a child of God. And continue to be a child of God. Seeking after more and more wisdom and knowledge through his word. If you're not a child of God, you can become one. We talked this morning in our Bible class about under the old law, people were born into Judaism. Your family lineage bore you into the family of God. It's not so in the New Testament. In Romans 5, verse 8, it talks about how we are adopted as sons. The way we come into the family of God now is to be adopted by God. Each and every one of us who have come under the law of Christ have been adopted by God. We are children of his through adoption. If you're not a child of God, I implore you to become one. If as a child of God you're not living the way you should be living, you're not keeping the whole law, I encourage you to make the necessary changes in your life so that you can do that and walk in step with our Lord and our Savior. Whatever needs you might have, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.